Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Neilis and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We are pleased to welcome to the pod longtime Northwestern University women's head coach, Claire Pollard. Coach Pollard is in her 24th year at the helm and has an approximately 760 win percentage during her time as the head coach at Northwestern. Steve and I are excited to have Coach Pollard on with us. So without further ado, please welcome to the pod, Coach Claire Pollard. Coach, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And I, I mean, we're, we're right now in the dead set of summer. Um, recruiting never stops at a program like yours. I'm sure that's been keeping you busy. Any, any fun vacations or has it been uh, business, business, business? No, I actually um, went to Mexico for the first time the first week of June, which um, we were actually discussing at lunch today with the kids, and it feels like it was an eternity ago. So um, yeah, that was a we got we got done with that, and then I actually did get over to Wimbledon and mix some uh, business with some visiting of family, and uh, got to enjoy London, my uh, hometown. Oh, nice, nice. And Steve was obviously there as well. Steve was there the second week. Were you there the early part uh, I was there the first week yeah I, I did the first week I went to uh the Roehampton tournament as well the J1 there which was man the level was good the young players coming up are just getting better and better <laughs> better and better and better it's great hey you know um it's fun to have someone local usually it's Steve and I are so spread out we may have a guest at a third location but um many of people know that I'm in the Chicagoland suburban area Claire obviously uh, in Evanston at Northwestern, such a beautiful school. My, my question to you where I want to start, when you recruit a student athlete, you have the benefit of one, not only a fantastic tennis program over a long period of time, but you have the benefit of one of the top ranked academic institutions in the country. There's very few that can say both top notch in both um, education and in sport, um, particularly your sport. Steve and I were kind of curious when you go and recruit a kid, do you recruit the university first or do you recruit the, the tennis program first or do you kind of do it 50 50 sell the entire package? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think if, if, if I'm truthful, I think I sell the tennis more than the school because the school tends to sell itself a little bit more, um, especially in the Midwest. I think the, the reputation, um, I, I'm sure you've heard this, like we're the Harvard of the Midwest. Um, so I think, um, I think it depends a little bit on the geography of the, of the student. Um, you know, what we're really trying to get across to someone is you're not going to choose one over the other here. You're going to have it both. And it might mean that you're going to work a little bit harder um, but you are not going to sacrifice any any part of your education to excel in tennis, and you're not going to sacrifice any part of your tennis for your education. And, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, a strength of college women's tennis and probably college men's tennis is that the kind of person who's attracted to coming and playing the college sport, especially tennis, is really committed to both the classroom and the tennis court. And so for us, I think... It, it, it is, it, I might cater it a little bit depending on the player and what I think their background is and what they they know about us. But for sure, we got to sell both because they're both important. They, they're both important. And I guess the follow-up question is, 
do you think you may have missed on a kid, not anything of what you've done, but maybe a student athlete was scared to reach those high expectations and not only just the tennis part of Northwestern, but the academic part of Northwestern. And maybe at that, and, and if that's the case, you probably don't want that type of student athlete. Well, I, you know, I, I think sometimes maybe someone's maybe not as um, maybe as confident as perhaps they could be. Maybe sometimes they're a little intimidated by both. Um, you know, I think you can work through that a little bit during the recruiting process. And that's what the recruiting process is about. It's about finding a little bit about um, who they truly are. But I, I also think that's a really hard thing for a young person. I mean, we're now recruiting 16, 17 year olds. You know, someone might have just turned 16. In fact, yeah. we might even be talking to a 15-year-old on June 15th of, uh, before their junior year. And, that, and that's an awful big ask for a young person to know themselves that well. Um, so I think you've got to be really kind and gentle and really understanding during the process and figure out. But that's certainly something, yeah, we have lost people for, for those reasons. Um and, and that's okay. I'd rather lose them in the process of the recruiting than then get to school and then be like, ah, no thanks. <laughs> David, just a quick question. So you're, when you're talking to the 15 year olds, the parent, the parents are in the room. I would assume they, they want some guidance or are you having these discussions one-on-one? One on one? Uh, we're, we're talking to the cell phone. <laughs> I miss oh. I miss the days where the home phone number is where I'm calling because typically the parents answered and I could get hold of them very quickly. And for me, I feel like that's maybe if um, a parent gets the value of the Northwestern education, maybe even quicker than perhaps a young person does. So I definitely try and get on with the parents pretty quickly. Um, but again, it's it's a fine balance. But no, you're calling the cell phone. And so <laughs> it's a very different world now. That's interesting. Um, obviously, you've been in Northwestern a very long time, but your background, you're originally from England. I want to get to know a little bit more about your story personally, how you got started playing tennis um, and, and college tennis. When did that kind of enter into your picture? Obviously, you, went, you ended up in Mississippi State, All-American, um, accomplished ton at Mississippi State but kind of walk us through your your journey through tennis um and when did college tennis kind of get uh put on your radar well yeah I, I don't know that there's too many people who have a path like I did um I played twice a week growing up um I played on Tuesday and Thursday evenings and then on the weekend um I how old say, did you start how old were you starting 12 wow of. Um, for sure, my first love was football, um, or as you would like to call it, soccer, um, for sure. And and it's funny because just being home, I, my mum still lives in the same house I grew up in. And so um, there's sort of a triangle um, in my, my house. And then to the left is the park and behind the park are the tennis courts. And so growing up, if I was at the tennis courts and then I saw all my friends over at the park, I'd jumped the fence and I was done with tennis and I'd back over and play football. Um, personally, I think it, it helped me. I think, um, I think when I got to college, the thing that was great for me was I just kept wanting to play more and more and more. And I think, again, that's a really tough thing for a lot of the young people now because they've just played so much tennis from such a young, early age. 
How did you get to a collegiate level though, when you're 12 years old and you're playing twice a week? I mean, you obviously had some, some talent and I would think you, you upped your practice schedule and played tournaments um, going through to college. Yeah. So I, I, I played twice a week, but all summer long, I played a lot of matches. And the great thing in, in the, in the summer in England is you can play four events in one week. So you play two age groups and then you play doubles and you play mixed. So you're getting a ton of tournaments and a ton of match play. Um, I don't know. I think we've replaced skill with volume. I, I just, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so I, I think I would like to see a young person play the minimum amount that they needed to, to reach the level that got them to the school they wanted to go. And I would really like to see that occur more often. Cause I, I again, I think they're all overplaying that's my personal opinion. And you see that a lot with, with injuries and even burnout. That that's uh Yeah, just just the just not the excitement factor. You know, I mean like you I want them I want them to be at their hungriest and their most excited. I mean, what an amazing thing to do what we do for, you know, what we can offer a young lady. So for sure. uh For sure. But again, it's tough because the level of competition, the depth is so much greater. There are a lot more schools now when I played there just wasn't the depth in college tennis that there is now. Right. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend going my path. Work for how, me. How did how did someone from from England wind up in Mississippi State? Yeah, there's a good one. I actually had a friend who took a year off the year before me, and she went over. It's quite common in England after high school to take a gap year. She went over. She played at Mississippi State. She talked to Andy Jackson, and um, he gave me a call, and um, I ended up going over with another Brit. That's how so many of these connections go. You look at some of these collegiate rosters and um, especially the ones that are more international and it's all because of a connection, a friend connection or one of their coaches over there um, is friends with one of the college coaches. You see that. So that's, that's quite common how that works. Um, obviously had a great experience there. All American won the 1989 NTA doubles championship as well as back-to-back SEC indoor and outdoor doubles championships. Um, you loved you loved that experience. It was great. I did. I I mean, I knew junior year I wanted to be a college coach. So really? um, yeah, I did. I knew junior year, and um, and I've done it my whole life. So, uh, but you, you know, played two. You played pretty. You played two pretty small tournaments. I think they were called Wimbledon and the U.S. Open in 1989. How was that? <laughs> yeah, we played um, Graf and Sabatini at Wimbledon. So it was a pretty fun draw. Um, what was that score? A uh, two and two. Um, <laughs> all I remember is hitting. Not, I mean, I missed my tee serve to Steffi's uh, backhand, and I uh, got the forehand. I don't really think I'd finish coming off the coming out the landing when the ball went past me. So, <laughs> note to self: uh, only only serve to the backhand of Steffi Graf. Um, and then we played Novotna and Sokova at the U.S. Open. Oh, wow. Well, let's wait a second. Let's just go back for it. Let's not race past uh, Steffi and, and Gabby. You, you described yeah. that, you, you describe that fearsome graph for him that we all admired so much. But then what about dealing with Sabatini's topspin? What was it like? You had the power of graph, especially off her forehand and a pretty big curve. And then you had Gabby with that whirlwind topspin, to very different kind of player. So what was it like to compete against those them as a team what were the challenges of Sabatini versus those of Graf yeah I mean 
we didn't serve the forehand very much. We served the backhand of Sabatini to not deal as much with the spin. She's on the ad side, so both of us like to go wide on the backhand side. It's funny because I can still pretty vividly picture it. Um, so it's, uh, you know, uh, the grass helped. The ball didn't get up as much. The grass was very different back in 89 yeah. than it is in 2022, 20, right. right? Now it's playing more like a hard court with much higher bouncing balls. So the spin wasn't as effective. I think her slice was probably, you know, she chipped as well and she dunk. And we all, you know, we were serving and volleying at that point and getting in all the, all the time. So you kind of took away some of that for us. I assume you had a bit more of a play on Gabby's serve than you did on Steffi's, or was that not the case? Um, absolutely. No, you're right on that. We did have a little bit more. But I got to say, it was pretty intimidating. I mean, they were defending <laughs> champs and... Well, that was my next question. Like those tournaments itself are could be could be overwhelming in itself, and then you get a draw like that, and you see, wow, Graf and Sabatini, maybe that lessened your nerves because you didn't have the expectations to of other the the other people didn't have expectations on you to win that match. Maybe you go out there; it's a grand slam. It's one of the best tournaments out there. You can play a little bit more freer. Did you and your teammate feel that, or were you really really nervous going in? No, frighteningly nervous. I, I like that candor, even all this, you know, it, 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 this many years later. I mean, it, 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 I, I like the candor. It would have been easy to answer otherwise, but that was frank. Oh, it was completely truthful. Now, was that was that after your collegiate career? Was, you, was that yeah. your year after you graduated, like that summer? Yeah. And you said yeah. you knew you wanted to go college coaching. Um, you started, what did you do? You started back at your alma mater alma mater for a little bit and then went to Lamar and then Northwestern? Yeah, that's the path. Yeah. Yeah. The the visa situation is a little tricky when you're not a domestic. Um, so I, I needed the opportunity and Lamar was unbelievable in helping me get my green card. And, you know, when I talk to someone today who's trying to go through that process, I'm, I, I don't envy them at all. It's, it's a difficult process. It's only getting harder, but Lamar was really supportive. I got to coach men and women there. And I thought that was an amazing growth experience for me as a coach. Um, I felt like, you know, um, I, you know, I, there are differences. I know perhaps I don't want to insult either gender from that point of view, but I, I would always sort of go to the guys and say, look, this is what the women do really, really well. They do this better than you do it. Can you try and learn from them? And then I would go vice versa back to the women and be like, the guys do this better than you girls do. Why don't we try and learn from them? And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm really fortunate. I have, I work with the greatest men's coach in college tennis. I'm, I'm sure everyone feels that way, but I, I have an amazing relationship with Arvid. Our teams are really close. And that was one of the really great things that when you coach both the men and women together on a, on a team, your team is so close. And I think for young people in college, that's an amazing experience. No doubt. Arvid is a great, great guy, too. I've known him for a number of years, and he, he, he is great. I love Arvid. Um, Northwestern, you've been there for a long time. Obviously, um, you said how much you enjoyed your experience at Lamar. How did that opportunity come up? Um, well, I was on the NCA committee, um, and I had the opportunity. I was, The coach was leaving, and she sort of suggested, and I thought, you know, I wanted to try something in a little bigger conference, a little bit more competitive. Um, and so I had the opportunity. I didn't know anything about 
Northwestern. I mean, I, I knew it had a good reputation. I actually knew Katrina had played there and, and Diane Donnelly, um, Slash Stone. So I knew they had a good program. Um, the NCAs were at Notre Dame. I took a drive over. And um, if you drive up Lakeshore Drive on a sunny blue sky day, um, you're sold immediately. Yeah. You don't have to sell me on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to list all the achievements that you've had over there because we'd be on forever. But a, a couple of them, I mean, 11 consecutive Big Ten championships, um, 2009 and 2010 were crazy good years, um, finished second in the country in 09. We won back-to-back ITA indoors 2009 and 2010. Um, if you could sum up, I mean, uh, if you could sum up your experience, and, and you, you can't yet because the chapter, the book's not over yet, but your experiences there with the student-athletes that you've gotten to coach, um, if you could sum it up in, in, in a few words, I mean, it's just been a, exceptional, I, I assume. I think rewarding would be the, the first word that would come out. Um... You know, and you don't want to get too sentimental because there is a lot of work still to be done. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to limp to the finish. I'm going to sprint to the finish here. Um, it's just getting harder. There's so many amazing programs out there. Um, but I feel like rewarding and fulfillment, fulfilling would be the two words that would really come to mind for me. Um, so many young ladies have come through our program. Um, I had dinner with my first ever recruit this week, That's at, the best. Uh, you know, and she brought her kids over for dinner and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, she, she's so highly successful. She is so grateful for her experience. Um, I'm just, uh, that, that for me means everything to me. You know, and Steve and I have talked about this several times now, um, as you see on the pro tour, both in the ATP and WTA. Um, the age is getting older, you know, back in back, not too long ago, but age 30, you were kind of washed up on the tour, right? You were done. You turned 30 and you were done. That's not the case anymore. It's getting longer and lo- the longevity is getting longer and longer. You're seeing more success. College tennis is becoming more of a viable pathway to the pros. You obviously seen guys like John Isner, Kevin Anderson, who just retired. Um, Illinois. Cam Norrie now is playing great. You had Jen Brady and Danielle Collins, Grand Slam finalists. Um, what's your view on it as maybe when you were recruiting um, students 15 years ago versus now? Are you seeing kids a little bit more focused coming to Northwestern saying, I want to be on the pro tour and I can realistically use college tennis as a pathway to get there? If I'm honest, Dave, it's been something that they've said every time. I feel like it's just sort of uh, maybe it's a little bit more realistic now. I think every young lady says, I mean, it's rare that I talk to someone who says, I absolutely know I do not want to pursue tennis after college. Most of them say, you know, I I think I might want to play after. Um, and, and I think, you know, now, perhaps, in fact, even this month, while I'm using my recruiting, I am talking about the double success in particular that the college players are having. Um, you know, I had two players playing at Wimbledon, former players. So that was really fun to watch and, and really, you know, and I feel like it's, it's maybe, like you said, I think the biggest change has been the age. Um, I'm not even sure 30 was 
like washed up. I mean, I sometimes thought it was like 25, 26. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, what did Tracy Austin break out at 16? Um, I don't even know. Martina Hingis was 15, maybe. Um, you know, and it's been interesting to watch like Coco's sort of slow and steady progress. And, you know, I think we had that barrage of rules put in to stop the younger person going on and getting, you know, too much too soon. I can't remember what years those rules came in. Um, but it just seems like I think um, everyone sort of understands the importance of emotional maturity as well as physical maturity. I mean, to be on the tour, it's not only a physical grind, but emotionally, it's a tremendously difficult experience, I think, the highs and lows of winning. Um, so I think actually we, are, we offer a very viable path into, you know, hopefully to keep more people playing the game as long as possible. Um, I think, and that would be our goal as college coaches. And, and my goal is I want someone to still want to play tennis when they finish and hopefully be the best version of themselves when they finish rather than something that's sort of just hanging on for dear life. Well said, Steve. I mean, you've covered the game for, for a very long time. I mean, you're seeing now, um, if you go to college, it, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have success on the pro tour um, on both the ATP and WTA, because we've seen the proof that you can go to college and you can have a very successful pro career. I just listed a few of the names and, and Claire, you mentioned the double success. There's so many collegiate players on both the ATP and WTA side. I mean, Steve, going to college is not a negative at all. If you want to reach the pro tour, is it? No, no, not in the least. I think there's been, there's been quite a remarkable change really in the last 15 years in, in, in that way. And I mean, I, th I thought in a strange, yeah, I thought Isner that was maybe a turning point because Isner got started on the pro tour so late and look at, look at him now, you know, pushing this into his late thirties. He might not have done that. Uh, had he not played college tennis, I suspect he wouldn't have because he would have joined the pro tour earlier and might've quit earlier. We'll never know, but yeah, I, I there's no doubt both ATP and, and the WTA tours that, that know that the college game is now is a really viable option for those looking to, to uh, have successful pro careers. And, and I will, I will ask Claire this to follow up. Um, when someone is in your program and they're looking to really go to the next level and play the pro tour, we know as this level, and you said it early on in our conversation, it's getting higher and higher and higher and higher for those to make that next step. Is there one or two things that, that you see, maybe it's the eye test or maybe it's something specific that you really look for that you're saying in your mind, you may not relay it to the student yet, but you're saying, you know what, this person has a shot to make it to the next level. And we know the margins are so thin, so razor thin, but is there something in all your years of coaching that, you know, you, you say, and you talk to your, you know, uh, associate head coach, assistant coach says, you know what, this person's got it. I wish I did. Cause I'd be a lot more successful. <laughs> um, I'm going to sit and tell you, right. I mean, the two young ladies I have playing out there and, and, you know, Sam Murray's been out there almost 10 years and, and got up to 160 and, um, I would not have guessed in a million years that she would have been able to do it. I mean, I, I'd be, I, I, again, to be, I'm just going to be perfectly frank. I wish I knew. Um, I think when I look at it, though, it's just, it's either you have something about you competitively 
where you're just not, you can just not satisfied. I mean, like you, you hear Nadal and you hear Djokovic and I mean, like you can't think about, I mean, those guys are just so hungry to keep winning. And they're so professional in everything that they do and everything they go about it. And, you know, I think the women's is a little bit more of a, I mean, it's like a whirlwind. I wouldn't have, I, I, I wouldn't have put any money on anyone winning Wimbledon. I don't know where I'd have put my money this year. You know, it's just it's a little bit more unpredictable on the women's side, which makes for it to be really interesting. Um, I think on the men's side, we're all a little bit like we have such an, a deep appreciation and you can't help it with those guys. But it's kind of fun to see some of the other guys breaking through a little bit now. Um, but I, I, I do think that a, a sort of a, a, just an ability to not be satisfied probably would be the one thing. But some people take, you know, like it takes them a while to develop that inside of themselves. You know, I mean, again, when you're 18 and you arrive in college, you leave a very different person than who you arrive. Last thing before I turn it over to Steve, if he has anything else to add. Um, you've coached long enough where you didn't have to deal with social media. And now you have to deal with social media. What is your take on it as far as, student athletes on it do you guys feel like you have to monitor it do you think it's a good thing do you think it's a terrible thing um this is your form well here's what i'll tell you is it's here it's here and if you don't like it you you better learn to live with it um i you know i, I feel like people use it quite responsibly um I really enjoy it for keeping in touch with people. Like I, I love to see what all my former players are doing. I really love it from that point of view. Um, some of the posts, a younger person posts, I'm, I'm not exactly sure um, why they do it. Um, I think it's a really important part of recruiting. I think I better be active on it. I think I need to use it. I think I need to sell it. Um, will you look you know, at a student athletes? Will you look at a social uh, a student athlete's social media um, as, during as part of the recruiting process? And if there's stuff out there that that you don't like, you just move on. Correct, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm definitely on it. I'm definitely following them. Um, I, I'd say rarely does anyone. I mean, I think everyone's gone a lot quite street smart now and kind of knows the way about it. Um, and then they private their account if they. They want to. They don't want to do us to see something. Their their account is, but I mean, because you know, like your phone kind of is watching over you all the time. You know, I'm just constantly getting tennis after tennis after tennis stuff, and you know, from that point of view, I feel like I can grow and get better as a coach very easily. Um, you know, and I watch some really fun things on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 there is a lot of fun stuff on it. Do you, do you talk to your student athletes, though, about um, the, the dark side, the, the bad side of social media? And if they just come off a loss and they get some stupid comment from someone, they have no clue who it is. And, and do you, I mean, you, you, you got to have, I guess you, you build in the self-esteem to the kids that if you don't know this person, why do you even care what they say? Good or bad, really, right? I mean, it, they have no... They should have no effect on you. We know, uh, unfortunately, that doesn't happen because everyone's a human being. But do you try to do you try to have talks with your team about don't worry about the people outside, you know, your your circle, the important people? Uh, it's getting harder to do because, I mean, some of the things these, these people are unfiltered. They just go crazy on social media. 
Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's probably at a higher professional level. You know, I, I think, I, I feel for the pros. I, I would imagine that sometimes that they're probably getting, you know, I think at our level, probably not so much, but it's certainly something you've got to talk to your players about. I mean, we are, we'll have a meeting as a department. We try to just keep them informed. We just try to help them navigate through the difficulties of it. I think it's getting a little easier because, unfortunately, when the young lady arrives, she's had a phone for quite a while. Yeah, yeah that, that is true. <laughs> well, hey, I know I know uh, it's it's kind of a nice day here. Yeah, the sun's out now, and I know we, we got to get you back to recruiting. Steve, before Thank we you. go, anything else we want to talk to Claire about? Yeah. My, my, my final question would just be, Claire, you've been at this a long time. You've got, it's, it's been richly rewarding and very gratifying. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Do you, do you imagine yourself still in this job? Have, have you thought down the road that far? Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think I'm starting to look down that road. I, I don't see myself in 10 years time um, coaching at Northwestern. Um, I, I did think the other day that um, I wouldn't mind running a tournament. A high-level tournament would be really fun. Um, you know, I'd like to think, and I also would like to just keep giving back to the game. I, I've always tried to give back to the game as I've um, and, and invest in the game. I, I could see myself like running a. I don't think a really low level. Um, I really like higher performance, but I, you know, I'd love to help some juniors. I think um, try and get the most out of themselves and give back to the game in the ways that I've been so lucky that the game's given to me. Well, I lied. I do have one follow-up. Steve's question <laughs> kind of jogged memory for him. My, my, my one final question for you is over, over your career, I'm sure you maybe had opportunities to leave the college route and maybe go on the pro tour and travel with a player or two. Was that something that, that ever um, made you think about doing seriously or you didn't really want to do the travel or, or whatnot? Um, no, I certainly something that appealed to me. Um, I certainly think, yeah, I, it's just not as stable. And it's not just as I think I missed that window. I think you need to do that quickly. As you, uh, you know, get out, I think the hitting part is really important. And I think you need to really get on that quickly. Um, but I feel like um, if I had the other job that I really would like to have done at some point would have been to look after the British team at some point and, and give back a little bit. Cause I do think learning from America and becoming involved in the American college system really taught me some amazing competitive skills that I lacked as a junior and have really developed in college. And I think if I could give that um, back to the Brits, Americans have some really amazing qualities. Um, not that the Brits don't cause we do. Um, but I think if you could take that, I think I've gotten the best of both worlds. I think I've gotten some of the humility from England, but I've also got some of the cutthroat confidence from the United States. <laughs> well said. And, well, you know, it's just personally, Claire, it's been great, you know, getting to know you the past few years. Best of luck to, to you, not only professionally, but personally with your family. I know you got some tennis players in your family as well. So it's been great seeing you, especially during the springtime. Um, look forward to continuing our conversations. And both Steve and I appreciate you coming on the pod today. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. That was awesome. A lot of fun.